welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Good morning. We are ready to hear from the Word, ready to open ourselves, to present our hearts, our souls to God, our minds, our bodies, to say, Lord, they're yours, and we want to hear from you. We want you to speak. We want you to move. We want you to have your way with where it is you would have us go, us be, us understand the world ourselves and you and why we're here and what this faith is all about. And there is no better source than our scripture. And through the scripture, then the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and our minds to move, to breathe, to stretch us, to challenge us. And what a wonderful gift this is that we can encounter this kind of presence and power every time we come to the word, particularly when we come together and worship. But my friends, we need to prepare ourselves. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you meet us. You meet us in this space, in this way, that we can gather together, that we can hear the word and your spirit will move. And I pray that you bring your spirit and fill us, lead us, speak to us. Bless what is offered. Speak through me in spite of me. Bless our hearing. Let us hear you in spite of ourselves. Lord, may all that we hear, all that we embody, May it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We are focusing on peace. Peace. We have lit the candle and we use that word and we all crave to have peace in our life if we but understand what it means. Peace is easy to talk about. It's much more difficult to experience, to cultivate, for us to try to seize it and grasp it and and allow it space in our lives. Most of us are just, we're too busy. We're too busy and we're too caught up in what's going on in the world around us and we feel anything but at peace. Thanksgiving weekend was the Alabama State Football Championships, and the Class 7A game was between a school from Auburn and the Thompson, Thompson Warriors, and Thompson High School Warriors were in the fourth quarter. They were down nine points, and with just a couple of minutes left in the game, they turned the ball over. And if you know football at all, being down nine points, you have to score twice. And when you've just given the ball over, that means the other team can run quite a bit of time off the clock, which they did. They ran it down to 30 seconds and were preparing to punt. And so Thompson was looking at the final 30 seconds of their season with little hope and certainly not much peace. You could see on the sidelines the players hanging their heads, consoling one another, because they knew what the score and the time, they knew what it meant. 
They had spent the whole year working really hard to be a football team. And this has been one of the hardest years for all of sports because COVID-19 has threatened the sporting season as much as it's threatened anything else. And so to wonder if we would have a season and then the season gets going and then to wonder if next week's game is going to be canceled, if we're going to lose players because they get sick. And on and on this team went and fought its way into the playoffs and was having a brilliant season and then gets to the final 30 seconds of the game and faces reality head on. And there wasn't a lot of peace. There wasn't peace in the players, the coaches, the families, the fans, the community. They were all preparing for that feeling as it began to sink in of what was about to happen. And many of them lost their hope and their peace. What if, what if they just decided the game was over right then and there? The probability of winning the game was next to nothing. There's a 0% chance according to the analytics. And we're all aware of it when we see 30 seconds and a nine point deficit and we haven't even taken the time off the clock for the punt. They could have just called off the game, thrown in the towel, taken their jerseys off, prepared to walk to shake the hands of Auburn and congratulate them on a state championship. They could have let the emotion and their certainty of what was about to happen dictate their next actions. They could have let the emotions of the moment cause them to be in a, in a state of unrest. Because you see, as a football player, as it is in any sport, you work really hard every single play. You never give up. You always are fighting with everything you have to leave everything on the court, on the field. But in that moment, I don't know how any of the players found motivation. If they'd just given up, no one would have questioned. However, if they'd given up, then we wouldn't know that they would go on to block that punt and run it in for a touchdown. And with 20 seconds left on the clock, kick an onside kick, recover it, and then make one play to get within field goal range. And then as the clock ticked zero, the winning field goal sailed through the goalpost, allowing the Warriors to suddenly look at the scoreboard with triple zeros and the score of 29 to 28, and suddenly they were state champions. They wouldn't have known any of that if they had lost their focus, if the unrest of the moment had robbed them, if they had given up, if they had become so distracted they forgot how to do what it is they've been trained to do and called to do, what they've committed to do. I fear that this has happened everywhere in many churches, many areas of the country and world through all that we've been facing this year. Because we all feel like the clock is, is running out of time and we are too far down and we don't have enough energy. We don't have enough patience to endure the next few months, six months, however long it's going to be. As we watch case numbers climb back up because so many of us just couldn't bear a Thanksgiving without seeing the people we love. And now we face Christmas. And many of us are still dealing with the emotional reactions to the election. Many of us are, are dealing with the reactions of knowing that our loved ones have been sick, that our loved ones have been on the front lines as nurses and doctors and 
driving ambulances and fire trucks and police cars and going, working at the grocery store and the many things that they're doing and we know that their stress level is at a high and the risk they're taking and they're people we love and people that we know. And then there's all of us that are arguing over whether we should wear masks or not and I know at times it just feels like, ugh. Can we just fast forward in time? Can we just endure the inevitable? The next few months are going to be hard. We've been living it. Can we just, I don't know, hibernate? Can we just fast forward? Can we just get through and skip what's about to come? Because a lot of us feel defeated. We feel uncertain, disappointed, frustrated. Are you with me? Do you understand? Are, are, are you speaking my language? Am I speaking yours? We could let the unrest of the moment disrupt our peace. And that's why Advent is so wonderful. Because Advent is about a story of God entering into the picture in a moment where people's hopes were thin, where there wasn't a lot of peace. You may not know the context of what was going on around the turn of what we now go from B.C. to A.D. or, or B.C. Uh, B.C.E. to C.E., however you say it, right around that time, it was rough in Israel. You see, what, what had been happening with the people long before is the people of Israel were constantly defeated. They were under the power and reign of another country, another people. In the passage we heard earlier, with our candle lighting, this came at the time of the exile, near the end of the exile, when the prophet gives us a conversation between the divine council about what all was going to happen to the people in exile. They'd been exiled for 70 years. They'd been robbed from their land, and their identity had been robbed from them. And we hear the glimpse of hope that offers a peace, because suddenly God's promising to be with the people and to bring them back and to reestablish them. And this is going to be a long-term plan because after the Babylonians, then you get into the Greeks and then you get into the Romans. Now, the Romans perfected this kind of oppression and occupation. Caesar came with a whole different idea, a whole different empire, and took over pretty much all the civilized world at that time. Caesar brought a peace the peace of Rome. And actually, there wasn't a lot of fighting at one point when you get into the Roman history because they'd already beat everybody. They'd already killed anyone who stood against them. And so typically, you didn't stand against Rome. So there was peace, but it wasn't the right kind of peace. It was a peace brought through violence, fear, threat, occupation. And that's the reality of the people that Jesus was born and grew up with across Israel. Caesar was the prince of peace. He wore that title. Caesar was the son of God. He wore that title. It was Rome that was ushering in peace to all the world. And the way that you knew about this bringing in of this Roman peace was a herald would show up in your area and announce to you a gospel. Gospel means good news. This all comes from a Greek word, eangelion, which is where we get our word evangelical or evangelize. 
And you could translate that into English in gospel or good news. It's all the same word, but it's a Roman word because it was a Roman good news. A herald would come and announce the good news of Caesar upon the land. Caesar was now going to usher in peace. And if you wanted to resist, then Caesar would bring the peace through violence. And then once an area had been conquered, a herald would go to the areas and announce the good news, announce the good news of Caesar's latest conquest. If there was a new Caesar coronated, a herald would show up with good news of Caesar, son of God. The Israelites had had a lot of Rome's good news. And they were in a place where they had a corrupt king who taxed them far more than they should have been taxed because Rome needed their tax, Herod needed his tax, and then all the local magistrates, all the local tax collectors needed their money, and so the people were taxed something like 90%, pretty much taxed everything. It's a hard reality. It's not the kind of peace that brings peace. And so when we come to the Gospel of Mark, the opening verse, the opening scene is not a very Christmassy scene in our traditional sense. It's a wonderful Christmas scene in the Advent sense. So let us hear from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, to notice what's missing and to notice what's present. Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, One stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God, happened just the way it was written in Isaiah. Right at the outset of this gospel, again, good news. The good news according to Mark is the announcement, a herald coming to bring the good news that what God is up to, that what the real Lord is up to, not Caesar, but Jesus Christ, 
This was scandalous. This was, this was a scandalous message. This is like running into an empire that already has a Lord, already has a son of God on the throne whose good news the people await and are dictated by, and suddenly a new person shows up claiming to be son of God, bringing the good news. It's very political. From the outset, we are presented with the whole story, the end. It's, it's given to us. We already know what's going to happen in a sense that we're hearing the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so then you begin the gospel with the herald, with John the baptizer, heralding the coming, a coming that's much greater than him, even though his coming has brought together the people of the north and Israel, the old kingdom north and the kingdom of the south and Jerusalem and Judah. And here they are coming together, all of them to be baptized, to receive a repentance, to receive a new beginning and prepare for the coming of God. Prepare the way of the Lord and make the Lord's paths straight. Quote from the Isaiah passage, sowing in this episode of hope when God is about to act. John the baptizer comes on the scene when the people are down and out and frustrated and they can't even turn to their king, Herod, because he's not there for them. They could have thrown in the towel, and some did, I'm sure. Given up on God. Decided that it was over. Looked at the clock and saw the score and said, what's the use? But John comes with a bit of good news, a proclamation about God ready to act. And the hope of so many, of all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem, come to receive to be reoriented, to repent, to be ready, to remember who they are, to remember the focus, what their calling is, to remember what it's really all about in the promise of God from the beginning, to be ready to stand up and to be who it is they were called to be and not throw in the towel. And they are ready and waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, they didn't know some of those details yet, but they knew one greater than John was coming. And that was enough. When you know that God's at work, when that hope is secure, it brings a peace. Nothing had changed in that moment. They were baptized, yes, but it didn't change the taxes. It didn't change the taxation and the, the way that it was just used against them in so many ways from Rome and Herod and their own people as tax collectors. It didn't change that. It didn't change that there was nothing happening. There was no war coming in the immediate future. But it changed them in their willingness to recommit, to remember, to be ready. That's the calling upon us. We tell the story of Jesus coming and we know of the good news and a lot more detail than they did. And we also know that one day, Jesus Christ is going to come to set all things right. All things right. All injustices will be upended. Are we ready to start right-siding our justice system now? Are we ready to start righting injustice now? Are you, am I, is the church 
prepare the way for the Lord. The good thing is, is we already have the assurance of our future. And that brings us peace. We're not wondering what's going to happen. Maybe we wonder when and how, but we do not wonder what. We know what, and we know it'll be in God's timing. And as much as we know the future, we know the present, that Christ comes now. We tell it of the past, we tell it of the future, because it matters to us now, because Christ comes to us now, maybe in the eyes of those who are on the wrong side of injustice. Maybe those who are hungry and poor and in need, those who are hopeless. When we serve them, when we do for the least of these, when we do for those who cannot do in return for us, we do these things for Jesus Christ. That's what's great about this time of year. So many of us find ourselves willing to be more generous, paying attention to the hungry and the poor, those in need, those are hurting. And there are many people hurting right in our own community. And maybe they're not hungry. Maybe they're in despair. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're addicted. Maybe they're just weighed down by all of 2020, just like we are. The difference is we have the hope of Christ, which brings us the peace of Christ. Do you feel the peace? Are you looking at the clock and feeling overwhelmed and defeated? Or do you have confidence that the outcome's already been decided, that we know what's coming, that we know when we do the work that we're called to do, we do it with God, for God, and from God? We as the church have this incredible privilege to be the body of Christ, and that should bring us this great sense of peace. And I know sometimes we get frustrated with the church, and I know I certainly get frustrated with myself because I'm a human being, and I'm weak, and I am tired, and I do get frustrated, and I'm not perfect all the time. And so sometimes I find it hard to even trust myself, to have enough peace to trust myself. And that's what makes this story so great in our scripture, because God trusts humanity. God entrusted Christ, the infant, to two human beings to take care of. God has trusted the work of the kingdom, the peace of God, to the church, to us, and all of our quirks and flaws and, and all of our stumbles. And God says, yeah, that's how it's meant to be. There should be a peace with us in this good news of Jesus Christ. We follow the path, the Lord's path, the straight path, walked by Christ. We've been shown. We know that nothing can stand in our way of bringing in the peace of God to all around us. It begins within. We cannot bring the peace of God outside until we have brought the peace of God within. And so in this Advent, evaluate, pray, wonder, be curious. Am I looking at the clock and feeling defeated? Or am I hopeful that God's about to do something? God's about to do something that's completely unexpected. God's going to do something with my life. God's going to do something with this church. God's going to do something for this world and this community. And just in the moment when I'm feeling like I'm ready to give up, and just fast forward time because nothing good's about to happen. 
It's about that time that God shows up with good news again and again and again. And if we can believe and have this hope, it will bring the peace in our hearts. And when we have peace in our hearts, we're able to bring that peace into all of our relationships. It doesn't matter if it's someone you pass on the street, if it's a clerk at a store, if they're on the other end of the phone dealing with something that's gone wrong with your product, (laughs) if they are at the gas station, if they are across the aisle of your politics, if they don't see eye to eye with you about how to live life, how to be a citizen, how to be a Christian, if they don't go to the same church, they're not even a part of the same denomination, they're not even part of the same religion or any religion at all. We are the source of God's peace. At least we can be. We can be friends. And we should look, look around because we may encounter the peace of God and people we least expect because God is at work. Are you ready to see and experience and share the peace of God? My friends, take the good news and open yourself to the Holy Spirit who wants to bring the life of God's peace inside of you. She will lead you if you let her, and she will make you a part of God's work in this world where we can be the heralds of good news ourselves. Not the good news of any particular branch of politics, but the good news of God. Let us find our peace in God alone, and let us be the peace of God alone in the name and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com 